Hi, I'm Yolanda and this is Speak On. If there's one thing out of the many, many, many things we've learnt this year is that representation really bloody matters. Because it's not just about seeing the world reflected on screen or recognising yourself or experience, it also matters in the framing of narratives. If you put the visual aside, it's about the voices and experiences of a diverse range of people, which help eradicate myths, bust stereotypes, and also just kind of show that some things are just straight up lies. Today, we're talking diversity, representation, and inclusion in film. Much of what we think of, of the world and what we think about it is shaped not just through the press and like the rhetoric and other things we see. It's so much of it is about what we see on screen, whether it's TV or film. We aren't just being entertained. We're absorbing and internalizing messages all the time, which set the standard for how we think about, dismiss or completely ignore others. We've seen the devastation caused by the death of Chadwick Boseman, not just for fans and not just colleagues, but by black people across the globe. Why did we have this reaction? Because representation matters, because he played characters that were iconic, because his characters told black stories and helped reframe the narratives. What it means like to kind of outwardly be proud and express your blackness, to display African culture and ancestry. He was part of something groundbreaking and poignant, which is why it was felt so deeply. And that just shows the power of film. Film has come a long way, and in 2019, a study found that it was like a record year for diversity in film due to increased inclusion of stories that were centred around girls and women and more female characters added to film. But there's, there's more that needs to be done. We still have some way to go, not just in what we're putting on film, but also just in the way the world thinks, which we can see now, because people are wild and they are saying crazy shit, and it's a little bit scary. So I'm joined by my friend, film producer, Pamela Drame. Why does representation matter, Pam? Like, what was the Black Panther effect? Um, why does representation matter? Not a small question to start with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I think rep- representation, that's a big question, but I can only talk about what it means to me. Yeah. Which is seeing yourself and your situation or people that look like you reflected. Stories is like for me, I was a big reader growing up Mm -hmm. and stories is how I learned to deal with certain situations. Like, you know, reading stories about the workplace. When I got to work, I felt like I knew what it would be like to work. Turns out I was wrong. (laughs) And it's the same with movies, like seeing yourself, seeing someone that looks like you on screen can help you feels good it just feels good seeing people that look like you so but you know a representation you know seeing films with like strong female leads mm-hmm. can be empowering to like young girls and women as well who are watching it who maybe have never thought about going in direction mm-hmm. and then I think specifically we're talking here about like Black Panther and I think part of the reason I mean we all we know the world loves superhero movies like it was proven before Black Panther came along oh yeah yeah like superhero movies everyone loves them so then to take the super like black panther didn't reinvent the wheel Mm. like i think that's a really important thing to point out the story of black panther was nothing like the basic story beats are nothing that we haven't seen before however it became sort of revolutionary Mm -hmm. in the fact that it's an all-black cast it's majority black cast majority black production and portraying africa in a way that i don't think even though it was false Mm. Even in fictionalised versions of Africa, we don't see it like that. Yeah. So it was this sort of, I mean, taking away the fact that they had to pretend that Wakanda was never colonised and all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, that they had to create, like, basically they were like, no white people got here, so this is why it's still cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that representation and people were just like, yes, superheroes that look like us. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder how many brown haired kids love super, love, love, um spider-man yeah like you know like seeing yourself represented is is a big deal um so yeah representation is important and the black panther effect was i think i think that we're gonna really see its legacy in like 10 20 when those kids grow up yeah yeah you know because i can't imagine what it's like being like a little black kid and seeing black panther and seeing um the Oh, what are the names of the the warriors? Oh, you literally can't remember, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, 
but you know seeing the warriors and seeing lupita and all of that stuff like yeah. you know it's it's gonna you know yeah it's gonna change being the things. nerdy science it's gonna change the world. being a nerdy science kid means you're the coolest character in it yeah actually that is so true exactly exactly and yeah i think it's it is it did uh i just thinking just looking at black panther and looking at the effect of it and there are lots of children in my family and seeing how excited they were about it was really really cool but also just excited just to see how like how excited adults were about it and you know yeah. all the kind of content that was created about it like kids dancing in school because they're going to see it all like especially loads of dancers creating all these amazing dance routines just because they were going to the film and i got quite a few friends that live out in the states my friend brim um, she works in like film and media and she went to see it several times and her and her friends they'd go like a big group of her and her black friends all dressed up just to go and sit down and watch this film they were so excited and yeah. it was yeah and that was lovely because I feel that that is something that I because haven't pe- seen in yeah. my lifetime well because people dress up to go and watch you know Avengers Assemble you know mm. like people dressed up to go and see that but it's there's something it's not that exciting like you know a black man putting on an Iron Man costume he's gonna be like ah. Oh. There's just, it's going to be more exciting putting on a Black Panther costume, even if Iron Man is yeah. your favourite character, because yeah. there is that extra identity yes. that goes with it. So, yeah, I'm really glad one of I mean, as I'm really glad that Chadwick Boseman got to see the impact yes. of his film in real life. And like, I think I feel like that's a real like that's so rare because most of the time people get their lord get lauded after yeah they've passed away and people are like oh they were a genius they were this they were that and i really yeah. love i think after he passed away that video resurfaced of people i think was it jimmy kimmel or jimmy fallon of yes, him behind the yeah of him behind the curtain and people talking to the poster and yeah. coming out and even at the time when that came out it was very like oh it was god so, it was so I... emotional it was emotional at the time yeah. and then re-watching it i was like oh my god <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> re-watching it after he passed away because yeah. it's you know he got hit i'm really glad that he got to have his he got to see that the impact moment. he had in real time and not yeah. after he passed away and that's so rare and just mm. goes to show what a special human being he was yeah absolutely and so kind of like you said there so black panther it was a majority black cast majority black crew or production crew did you say yeah yeah and so how has this um like, how has this changed films being made since? Has this actually had a knock-on effect on other films in terms of increasing the, um, like, the diversity? Because obviously we know, like, Mulan's just come out and there's lots of kind of, like, really, like, diverse, diverse in air quotes, different stories being told. Has this actually had an impact that you can see? So, had an impact that I can see is probably no. But bearing in mind that films take a long time to get made. So, um, when did Black Panther come out? uh 2018 uh, yeah so it's only been two years so there will be films that are still it so films that finished shooting in 2018 may still mm. be in post-production now because it can take that long yeah. so i don't think we're going to see a real impact until it's the stuff that's going to go probably going into production post 2018 onwards mm-hmm. things that are came where people might have had a look but that's that's asking people to be that's assuming people are more introspective than we think they are because Mulan is a really good example of that where it's got it's on the surface of it you're like oh it's Mulan it's filmed in China it's got Chinese actors this is amazing Mm. oh wait it's directed by a white lady oh it's produced by white people oh the DOP is a white lady so suddenly you're in this you're like huh so it's diverse in terms of like okay great so more women are getting opportunities to make things as if Mm. Chinese women don't exist yeah there are none in the world there are none in the world. so it's <laughs> Only the ones like, there. Only ones they can cast in the film, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's this idea of like, this idea of diversity, she says in air quotes, mm-hmm. is very different to the idea of inclusion. Because yeah. diver- it's all very well dotting in, you know, filming it in China and all of this stuff. But one thing that's come, and I can't speak on this because I'm not Chinese. So mm-hmm. this is just based on what I've read from mm-hmm. people who are, which is that, you know, I know some people were a bit like the actress came out in support of the hong kong police and everything that's been going on yeah. in hong kong and people are like we should boycott it because of this because of her coming out for the state but also i think that's where like sometimes the nuance of if you had had a chinese filmmaker would they have cast the same actress and maybe they would have because just because she might be the most fantastic actress and just because she has political views that don't align with 
the rest of us doesn't mean that she isn't the best person for the job. So yeah, absolutely. But you know, having some sort of cultural sensitivity is important. Yes, absolutely. And would a white lady, a white Australian lady, be across that cultural sensitivity until it's too late? Mm, exactly. Um, yeah. Another one that I think we've spoken about in the past was um, Doctor Strange. Yeah. And for me, oh. it's a, it was a comic book that is filled with all of these Asian stereotypes. Yeah. Right. It was uh, the fact that it existed. It was written at the time that it was written. The fact that it existed is already a bit kind of oh. And then I what the, I saw what they did with the with the casting and I thought it was interesting. But for me, where it fell down was putting Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. And again, this is what happens when you don't have enough diversity at your table, because yeah. the ancient one in the cast in the comic book is like a you know the the wise Chinese man. Mm. And I was like, the, for me, the obvious turnaround for that would be to make it a gorgeous young Chinese woman like mm. or 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 slightly old or like Tilda Swinton age like Michelle Yeoh yeah or someone like as that as the ancient one and then it's like a wink but also you are giving a job to a woman of color yeah like it was they such essentially ob- whitewashed it with diverse they they would think they were being diverse but they just whitewashed it but they just whitewashed it yeah because yeah. think of how much more powerful that would have been having mm. a Chinese woman in that role yeah a beauty you know it would have made Still does, all the difference. It does, it does all those subversions that you were talk, just talking about that were, you know that mm. they tried to do, and instead it was just like oh, so there's more white yeah. ladies in this film. Great, yeah, and it, and it it just shows shows as well that it's not enough just to make a diverse film or a diverse TV program. It's about the people sitting at the table, and actually in you know I was like my next kind of question was like what part just film and TV play and acceptance of others. But I think you've kind of touched on something really important there. If you haven't got someone that sits across the cultural sensitivity or just un- understands what it is that they're making from the top to the bottom, then their mistakes are going to be made and really easily avoidable mistakes. Much really like that, easily um, avoidable mistakes. Yes. Like that TV show, The Talk, which I have, which I was beefing about because then it was very much, it had a lot of colorism in it. And then when I spoke to one of the producers, they said, oh, but we had an Afro-Caribbean team. And I was like, but then that's not, it's not just, Af- it's not just Caribbean, Caribbean people that are black. It's also people from African countries that are black. And it's, yeah. it's colorism came to play because the men were dark skinned and all the women were light skinned. And it was mainly light skinned people. And it's a completely different racialized experience. And it's because 100%. they had an Asian woman as a producer and a, and a bunch of white people that helped that were the people sitting at quite at the, like at the top. It was a white production company and an Asian team running something that was a black story to be told at a time when everybody actually should be allowing yeah. black people to tell their stories because it's nuanced and there are cultural sensitivities and things that people from outside that community don't understand. And that's why it's really important for decisions and to be made by everyone, not just Exactly. Not just and there's a thing, yeah. I don't know loads about it, so mm. people should do more reading than I have done. But there's yeah. pl- black, there's, when we black people talk about mm-hmm. blackness, we are referring to black people. There is then mm. what, like, the world, and I think it came about in the 70s, called political blackness. And this yeah. is what, this things like that show, and when they asked Matt Hancock to name any black members of, of, of the cabinet, and he listed mm. Savid Javid and Pretty Patel, and the, the, the report said, no, black, because there's this... Pers- and so who are you... Because the people that make... The decision about who is black is not being made by black people. Yeah. The decision about who is white... Do you know what I mean? Like, if the oppressor is the one making the categories, how yeah. can the categories be fair? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So uh, for me, like, specific specificity is the key if you're mm. talking about black people like the conversation around the term bame the term mm. bame has its uses mm-hmm. however it's been used wrongly and lazily if you are talking about black people talk about black people if mm. you are talking about people from east asia southeast asia be specific mm. if you have yeah. to list 12 countries list 12 countries yeah in order to get it so if i'm talking about asian people if i said oh so if we want to get a, as many Asian people as we can, specifically people from Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, India, yeah. Pakistan. That you you know what I mean then. Yeah. So you know because we can't pretend that both that group of people and then people from China, Japan, Korea, 
Singapore are not uh, uh, have the same experiences. Yeah, uh, and all live our in similar cultures. So completely, completely different. And obviously, you know what? What also falls under BAME is uh, people that are Jewish as well, yeah. which I didn't even realize until recently. Yeah, and it's like it's I was so like, lazy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's and and it's really lazy. Everyone in this category, which is basically like you're you're white British or maybe white Australian or white American. A white Irish. Yeah. But then apart from that, it's like, or you're everyone else. And that's kind of what BAME does as a category. You're everyone and everyone's Which is insane because everyone else outnumbers the the ones that are... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't say that. You'll make them scared. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So, so kind of what... Like, kind of considering all this, what part does film and TV play in acceptance of others from your perspective? Um... From my point of view, so I read somewhere that people think that 24 having a black president was mm. part of what, because it was such a huge show at the time, yeah. was part of what create, made the world ready for Obama. No, I don't. Hashtag, I don't oh, President, President Palmer, though. Hashtag President Palmer for life. <laughs> now, I don't think it's that facile <laughs> and easy, but I yeah. do think that but some people said the fact that we don't see very many female presidents in film and TV shows. Mm-hmm means that it feels of more of an impossibility. Yeah. Again, going back to representation matters, I think definitely, like, to me, I really love filmmaking and films. I really love films from other countries because it gives me a glimpse into how, you know, what stories are important to other cultures, how mm-hmm. other people live. Like, so, yeah, I think they have a huge... I think the more the more broad your film... The broader you go with your film tastes the more you're, you just have everything to gain. Like you see more stories that you would never have seen because yeah. a, different, a different country has a different setup or, mm-hmm. you know, a different set of like societal rules, which means that stories come out differently. So again, like someone said yeah. somewhere that there's a limited amount of stories, but the reason mm-hmm. we have so many, you know, like boy meets girl as a story yeah. is like, there's so many of them, but what you can do with it based on who you are and what your experiences are and all of that stuff Mean, yeah. is why we still tell watch boy meets why girl we're still telling those stories exactly yeah yeah and i think it's like definitely uh film and tv can really i suppose not even not even necessarily lead to acceptance because people don't have to, they're not they may not accept it or whatever but certainly just have an exposure and under and a certain level of understanding yeah. to it as well just so again like we've talked about before the world would be so much better if a lot of people minded their business and i feel Mind like if business. you were used to seeing things and you didn't you weren't didn't feel so jarred by something not yeah. being the norm or whatever you just mind your business and move on with your day and not be a dick about it a hundred percent a hundred percent um yeah so is the film industry as diverse and inclusive as it can as it sometimes portrays itself or sometimes as it can appear because we'll see a certain amount of people like in the entertainment roles are like people of like people of I'm going to because I'm like I'm going to refer to American using the American term BIPOC because we see BIPOC people who are on the screen acting etc is it really as diverse as we think or is it just here's the people at the front but everyone else behind is just one giant old white man I mean it's all just one giant old white man like (laughs) I can't even I wanted to be like diplomatic or like you know um optimistic but no it's not at all i mean mm. look at i mean disney now own everything so <laughs> literally know. yeah um and who's the head of disney bob Iger. um yeah who actually i don't dislike at all but you know mm. i'm but if we're talking about you know an old white man then yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna get older and whiter than him no <laughs> Um, bless him and his millions. So millions. yeah, I don't think it is at all, and I think that's part of the reason why we're still ha- we're still having this conversation year mm. after year after year. You know, Oscar So White was how long ago? And then the films that have been made that they're like, see, there's blacks. It's like twelve years. <laughs> yeah, but you only want to see blacks if they're slaves, so that you can save us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We only want to see the help, or we only want to see hidden figures yeah. where the man is bust, where's busting the toilet thing down, which never happened. Never All those happened. weird narratives. It's like, no, no, she had to face razors and people were dicks to her. Let's not pretend no one, they were. No one Can stood we up stop? for her. Yeah. No one stood up for her. No one, exactly. She did that by herself. Just get, like, she just wasn't allowed them. in that room. Yeah, exactly. And just give those women the credit. No one helped them. They had to help themselves, man, for the love yeah. of God. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of like nostalgia, like, oh, it was so bad then, but it's not like this now. Mm. Meanwhile, entire production crews are 
of, you know, how many black producers are... The most successful black producer is Tyler Perry. Yeah. And you cannot say that Tyler Perry produces content that is for all audiences. He yeah, is a billionaire. Yeah. He is a billionaire because he ser- he is the only person serving one audience, mm-hmm. an audience that is yeah. completely underserved. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're des- yeah. if you're desperate for water, if you- if you're incredibly thirsty, like you're going to drink whatever water is given to you, mm. regardless of whether it's good for you or not. So yeah. I am definitely not disparaging Tyler Perry. Like it's worked for no, him. No, he is a genius businessman. He saw a gap absolutely. and he just plugged, the, plugged every single part of that gap. And I can't. And I don't. I don't judge anyone for watching yeah. it because if you're, if you, if you love it, world, you love it, man. Yeah, but also like the world is so hostile to black people. Like if you live in mm. the Western world, it's so hostile to black people that mm. I don't like. Of course, you're going to seek refuge in people that look like you. Yeah. Of course, like, you know, Medea for all its, you know, stereotypes and things that it has. Stereotypes are stereotypes because there's, you know, fraction there's a fraction of there's something that resembles truth mm. within it. So the idea like Medea is ridiculous, but the grandmother as the head of a family is something yeah. that we all you know, black communities in England here, Africa, Caribbean are all familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, that matriarchal like, the matriarchal kind of uh, hierarchy. Yeah everyone knows it so you know that's that's it's like clinging on to anything that resembles like a life jacket yeah so yeah so no it's absolutely not and like as someone who's been trying to produce in the uk is even worse like we're we're, we're speaking quite a lot about america but in the uk mm. i cannot apart from dominic buchanan i cannot name any other black producers who you know what not even Dominic like Dominic is great and I I think he's only at the top of my head because he had that um he did an open letter recently about not being able to get a BAFTA yeah he can't buy a BAFTA even though he's a producer on a BAFTA winning TV show that's insane because because of the way the rules are set up and that's the other thing is that the rules and things are set up for middle class white people to win if you are outside of that it doesn't you know like in the UK if you are not if you have no money of your own, mm. I don't know how you get into production. I'm really lucky that I seem to be, <laughs> I'm not even doing that well. I'm just mm. kind of forging forward because my day job is in the film industry. So I have yeah. a great deal of like market and industry knowledge that I've worked mm. really hard to get. And now yeah. I'm figuring out how I can use that to my advantage to make mm. what I want to see. And I'm yeah. just knowing that I have that market background to back up what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. I don't know how producers who don't have that, like I'm just in awe of everyone who's making, like the guys who did um, Blue Story, mm-hmm. like it's not like just the fact that that film even exists and got made, I'm like hats off to you because it is not easy. doesn't matter whether I it's my kind of film or anything like that. The fact that that got made, they deserve a standing ovation because the system is not built for us to be making films. Yeah. And also I think people don't realise because we both work in, so you work in one one side of media, I work in kind of like PR marketing, that kind of promotion, advertising world. And people don't realise as well, I think when it comes to kind of media and the arts, they don't realise what a huge proportion of it is actually, If to even if you just take race out of it, because obviously there are loads of reasons why like socioeconomic things exist. Socioeconomically, it's full of rich kids. Full like, of rich kids. Full of rich kids because they these are places, you know, if you're going to be a struggling artist, you're going to work your way up in these industries. You 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 kind of need the bank of mum and dad to bankroll yeah. you for some of these things, um, for a lot of these things. And you need to kind of, you know, be okay with thinking it's all right. I know, I know I've got a cushion. I know I've got someone that's going to look after me. I know I've got stuff to fall back on. And it, that's why, you know, there are so, you know, you think it's, isn't it something like, 60 to 70 percent of actors in the uk basically come from like a quite solid socioeconomic like middle class upwards background i wouldn't be i would not be surprised like i mean i can speak like for myself as well i'm incredibly middle class Mm. i didn't have the bank of mum and dad but i like my first job in film was a total fluke like people are like oh but you've worked really hard to get where you were and i was like i have however like I would not be in film and I would not be producing if I hadn't got, if my day job wasn't in film. So I'd been able to sort of moonlight quite easily. So part of Mm -hmm. my day job was going to film festivals. Like, so I was able to use that experience. And so there you don't have to work 24 hours a day. So I can take a little meeting on the side and do things Mm -hmm. like that. Otherwise I would not be able to afford that. 
I just wouldn't have. Like, my first job in film came about because um, I did French and film at university, did film sort of like people do English literature. Like, I really enjoy watching films and I like the theory behind it. And I did French because my parents said, if you're going to go to university and do film studies, you need to do a real subject. So I was like, well, if I do French, I get to live in France for a year. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, and then a girl from my French course, she had randomly got a job at this film company, French film company mm-hmm. based in London. And, yeah. But she did French and economics. And she was like, this money is trash. I'm going to leave. But she was like, Pam, you did film studies. Maybe you'd be interested in working here. And I went yeah. for the interview and I got the job. I was the only person mm-hmm. they interviewed. It was not like... Yeah. And I felt really lucky at the time. And in hindsight, I was like, oh, they were just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but that worked out well for you. But that worked out well for me. And that's how I got into film. So I And I was fully, like, the job I was working at at that point was, like, for a, a makeup company. And mm. I was like, hey, I'm not enjoying this. And I was fully going to go back to France and do, like, a master's in film studies just because I really liked the theory. And I fully was like, I'm going to become a film lecturer. I was yeah. like, I'm, because the idea of working in film was so out of my scope of reality that I was just like oh maybe I'll be a film lecturer and I'll have nothing to do with it but I'll write some books on film and I'll teach film studies like yeah that seemed like something I could do yeah and like a decent career yeah and I get get that it's kind of it's it's a combination there of of what you know who you know and yeah (laughs) yeah but that's luck but it's luck I if someone was like how do I get a job in film I couldn't tell them because I was like I got mine luckily there's no if you don't have that, and so I've I've never had to work for free, thank goodness. Mm. But all my production stuff that I've done, like I've produced two short films and I'm working on a third one and I've got some f- a feature in development, but all of that stuff, so I say I've never worked for free, but all the stuff that I'm working on myself, I yeah. have not been paid for. Yeah, yeah. I think when, when, it's come, when it comes to doing for yourself, then that's just kind of how it rolls. Because when I started in media, I had to do, I had to intern and stuff. So I basically was like working a job in the day uh, or in, sorry, at night time, sorry. And then, then commuting and going to London in the day and then coming back and going to work after. And so yeah, like, and just isn't that working. insane? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, all day. But then I was working with people who literally had everything. <laughs> and all like, when yeah. I actually, when I was at university, I worked with someone and she's very, don't, she's very good at a job, but because she is from an incredibly wealthy family, she started interning while we're at uni for free because her parents were bankrolling her. And so she could do that straight from uni and then ended up staying in that job for a really long time as well, yeah. working her way up. Whereas like that just wasn't a possibility because I have to wake up at the crack of dawn, commute into London, work for free all day, come back and then work all night and then go to work the next day exhausted. So I was doing it in chunks. So I didn't, I couldn't even dedicate my time to working my way up in a company because yeah. I was like, I, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable to work 18, 19 hours a day. It's, it's not. It's just it's not. not. And anyone, and I, I hate this idea that, like, I feel like people sometimes are a bit disingenuous about how hard. Like, because think about, like, it's good that, luckily for you, you're a person that could cope with that. But that's a lot to yeah. ask of someone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's an impossible yeah. standard to ask of someone, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And also just be just that kind of the rest of it, I was kind of bankrolled by just having an entrepreneurial mind and finding my own ways to make money. Otherwise, yeah. it just wouldn't have happened, to be honest. So anyway, sorry, luckily, we, we're off on a slight tangent there, didn't we? Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's important uh, yeah. to acknowledge that mm. that's what so the industry pretend like the industry will flaunt people like you and I as yeah. being diverse and showing how diverse they are without mm. actually being honest about how hard we've worked. Absolutely, and actually yeah. the truth of the story of us getting there. So it's all very well parading all your brown employees in yeah. front of it. I refuse to do our work um, International Women's Day photo because I'm like, yeah. I'm not getting in the photo so you can show that you've got a brown face in the office because it's not true. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've refused exactly the same thing at place I've worked. Remember, there was a place where they wanted to take all our pictures because we want to show the team. And I was like, no, I know they wanted, I know what the real agenda was. And yeah. so they, I, I was the last person in the whole company to have mine done. And I did it out of force and I didn't smile. I actually pulled a face because I was like, I'm not doing it because I know why you're doing it. And then I only made, I only allowed them to take one snap. They couldn't even take multiple. I literally stepped in, frowned. They took a picture and I just left the room. Um, Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I just... You know, I should have thought that. It was annoying. I knew what was going on, really. But anyway, back to diversity in film. Um, so actually, so kind of knowing all this and everything that we've discussed and even like our own journeys actually saying, yeah, it's we are. It's pretty difficult. We had to work particularly hard or be really, really lucky compared to people who can kind of roll into these things through who their family knows, being bankrolled, et cetera. All that makes, stuff makes it easier for them. And it's why the industry is dominated with really specific types of people. The Film Academy has established four broad representation categories um 
for like if you want to be nominated for best picture to be eligible to be nominated for best picture um so they've added in so it's got to be uh, this sorry there has to be representation on screen among the crew at the studio and opportunities for training and advancement like in other parts of development and release so um just to break that down so it's standard a is on screen representation themes and narratives so that's kind of like lead supporting actors etc um standard b creative leadership and project team so it's kind of the creative leadership and department heads so it could be wardrobe uh hair makeup etc then standard c industry access and opportunities so it's like paid apprenticeships intern like internship opportunities and standard d is audience development so in the, in my area marketing like publicity and your area actually distribution as well um and they have to meet two categories in order to be eligible so these are the kind of things that are happening and taking place which i think is quite interesting what do you think about this and do you think it's going to be helpful so I'm very familiar with these standards because they are, the BFI actually helped uh, the Academy come up with these because these are part of the BFI ah. diversity standards. And okay. I'm not going to go so far to say that they're trash. However, yeah. <laughs> every yeah. single standard can be met with a white woman. Oh, yes, it can. Because I looked through the categories, the white LGBTQ, like disability, BIPOC, etc. Yeah. Okay. So still opportunities so- for... A couple of film critics that I've seen um, <laughs> when this first came out were talking about the fact that, I mean, I think it's definitely a positive step mm-hmm. in terms of that it means a film like, for instance, maybe Dunkirk, which as far mm-hmm. as I'm aware, doesn't, I think there's maybe a few soldiers of colour in the, in the soldiers on the, on the beach, but yeah. nothing to do, no one in the production ha- is, was of colour. No yeah. one senior in the production was black or Asian um, mm-hmm. may not get nominated mm-hmm. but then again it could get nominated if it's got a female producer mm-hmm. if it's got if it's got all it needs to have is a female producer yeah and a uh yeah no they just need to have women yeah so it could be like a female producer and a female like head of pr yeah and that's it you're done <laughs> that's mental so you're it's, done. yeah that's so it's actually it. really not it's not it's not that robust then it's not that robust at all. And I think, mm. so, and the other thing that I saw critics talking about was that actually not a single winner of mm. the Academy Awards up until the 70s. So this is just the winners, not all the nominees. Yeah. Um, every single winner of the Academy Awards qualifies. Not yeah. one hasn't qualified because it's literally like the line is on the floor. Like, mm. you know, like, the line is on the floor. You can just step over it. because. So if you think about like, okay, so last year, Parasite won. The year before mm-hmm. that, Green Book won. So mm-hmm. there oh you have God, your... Green Book. Yeah. yeah. The year before that, Shape of Water won. Mm. The year before that, Moonlight won. Spotlight won. Birdman won. Bearing in mind, some of them are like, some of the criteria is that like 30% of the secondary cast need to be of colour. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, if your film's... No film's got three people in it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, then you go back 12 Years a Slave, qualifies. Argo, qualifies. The yeah. Artist, qualifies. Again, because you can fill these quotas with white women. So yeah, on the yeah. surface of things, this looks re... And, you know, it's so, there's so many, like, qualifiers and stuff. You know, mm. there's section A, B, C to D... So it yeah. looks like it's really... Um, it looks more stringent and robust than it actually is. Yeah, but oh, you only need yeah. two. So you don't yeah. even need to bother hitting them all. Yeah, which is a shame because it would be great. They could easily do it. They could easily make every category applicable and it would still be... And it could still be just filled with white women. Yeah. 100%. And it's obviously... We're not saying that we don't want women to have opportunity. It's just like... It's just about opening it up, isn't it? It's and just it's about, a shame again, because it yeah, hasn't really changed them- anything. Going back to my point, if the colonizers are the ones setting the, yeah, setting the standards, then why would we? What kind of change are we actually expecting? Yeah, yeah. And so, you do know, you think that? Kind of, oh, sorry, carry on. Yeah, it just means, like I said, it just means that maybe Dunkirk wouldn't get a nomination, and maybe Little Women, but that's it. Like they didn't yeah. even win anyway. Yeah, I haven't seen either of those things. So, with all this being said, like obviously with everything happening with um like the current round of blm because i'm not going to say blm right now because it's been you know black lives matter has been a movement that's been going for years at this point um but current 
wave of B- of BLM and everyone's reactions online, people then actually really started to publicly kind of be a bit introspective about representation on on film and their and and like on screen, sorry, and their role in it. So a lot of like white actors, um, directors, etc., were coming forward and saying, "Yeah, do you know what? I've definitely been part of the problem, and actually, I'm going to do stuff to do more now." And whether it's PR based or whether it's guilt based, whether it, they were just doing it because someone told them to, or, or, or their fans would get angry, they're, be, they're they're saying it. But there aren't very many people putting their money where their mouth is. But that being said, Ryan Reynolds has introduced the group effort initiative, which I know he's introduced himself and it's self-funded, but he wants to encourage a lot of people to do this in film. And so what he does is he um, will hire, or the team, I should say, he gets the the team to open up applications and then they select uh, a certain amount of trainees from the BIPOC community. And this is US-based, which is why obviously obviously I'm including including indigenous, um, marginalized and excluded communities as well. And there'll be trainees. He's opened up to all ages as well. He's made it really, really clear that it's like no one's going to be too old for this, etc. Um, and then out of his money, he'll pay their salary, pay for them to stay somewhere. And then they will get exposure to film. They'll learn on set. They're going to receive training throughout the entirety of the film. And the aim is to hopefully set them on a path to training in, working in the film industry. Should, what do you think of this? Should we be seeing more of this? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's great that he's done it and he's doing it out of his own money. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Um, so I, there's a couple of questions that I would have on it. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're not Ryan Reynolds, so I can't yeah. ask. Um, and he has actually been really clear that he said this stuff is being worked out. So, um, But the first thing is that, like, if is this something that's going to be implemented along, like, smaller independent films? Mm-hmm. Because if so, then that's great so that people can get trainee stuff, can get trainee um, experience. Mm-hmm. However every single diversity and inclusion initiative that has been born of the last like 10 15 years has been for fucking trainees yes like like, like trainee... no one else has ever done this job before there are none of us have yeah. these jobs before yeah so what happens <laughs> yeah. to these train what happens to these trainees when they're no longer trainees are they being employed higher up mm. further up the chain definitely yeah. in tv and things i think yes mm-hmm. but in film i'm not so sure mm-hmm. um secondly if he's doing all of it like he, these people, yeah, this, I'm really interested to know who is, because co- studios are not poor. They could cover this themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, studios are not poor. They could cover this themselves. So the idea that, like, so that, to me, that kind of shows that studios and the institutions and the productions don't, mm. they don't see the value in hiring us. Yeah. Unless they're, someone else is paying for it. That doesn't, mm-hmm. that to me doesn't put the right emphasis where it needs to be. But I'm yeah. not going to knock an effort that, you know, he's yeah. a man with immense privilege. It. Yeah. And, you know, and he's, he's still using needs... it. Yeah. No, and I think mm-hmm. it's, and I think definitely if that can be used for smaller productions and smaller independent film crews and things that may, like, if you're a smaller independent studio, you may not have, you probably might not have the, or an independent filmmaker or producer rather, you may not have, you might want to do it, but if you don't have the budget to house someone that's coming from out of LA, assuming yeah. you're shooting in LA or wherever it is, if you don't have the budget to house that person, then um, this could be something like this is super useful so that then you can, because the perfect place to learn is on a lower budget film, because it's not that the mistakes don't matter more, but yeah. everyone's probably a bit more inexperienced because yeah, yeah. Yeah. your budget's getting bigger. And also people are going to have, when yeah. things are smaller, you kind of, much like whenever I've worked at, on smaller campaigns, smaller companies, anything like that, there's so much more chance to get hands on, isn't there? Exactly, 100%, because every hand on deck, you know, it's a slim team. So yeah, yeah I'd be interested to know who who that's aimed at. But I think, and like, I think that's a great thing that like someone is using their privilege to do. I also think yeah. inclusion riders are really interesting where... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I've actors, seen quite a few people have these. Yeah, actors are mm-hmm. like, I want to make sure that my co-stars are getting paid that everyone has been paid the same and actually taking that because the way film works is that if you want, if financiers think you're bankable, Mm -hmm. you know, like we put films together in like packages. So I could have a story like boy, my boy meets girl story is Mm -hmm. worth 40 million. If I get Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston in it. Yeah. It's worth 8 million. If I get, uh, Nina Dobrev and Paul Wesley in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because, in fact, it's probably worth four million if I get them. But do you know yeah. what I mean? Because they're not as big stars. Mm. I picked those because we love Vampire Diaries. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but you know, and also just, yeah. just and also it's easier to make it's easier to do it with um actors like that who yeah. have a bank of work behind them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so um Nina and Paul, for instance, having inclusion riders might not yeah. actually be that producers might go, you know what, doesn't matter, we're gonna get someone else that doesn't have it. However, yeah. when Brad and Jennifer say it, mm-hmm. then you know, they're gonna give them what they want because you want that forty million to make your film. Yeah, yeah, of course. They're going to have more power because of their bankability. And then yeah. I know, for example, is it is it Benedict Cumberbatch that has a thing where he was like, if I'm a, if I if there's a female lead, she has to get paid the same as me. I think he might have that in his inclusion writer as well. Got, yeah, yeah, one of his where he's like, no, no, my the, my yeah, the lead, the female lead has to be paid the same. And there's someone yeah. else I that mean, does that as well, which is a really big deal because truly, it's that is yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal, and it would be great if more people did that because I think when you're making yeah. that much money, you've already got a lot, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> you're not struggling exactly. to well, feed your family at taking, that point. <laughs> yeah, it's not taking it from someone else. It's up to the production mm. to make sure, you know. Yeah, so they distribute the money accordingly. Yeah, mm. and look, you know, you couldn't have Tom Cruise in a movie, and then you know, someone like someone. I mean, I Tom Cruise and his female lead are not going to get paid the same. And mm-hmm. I think I think there's a point where you have to be reasonable about it. Yeah, because I, also when know, Tom Cruise is in a film, it's just a Tom Cruise film, isn't it? It's just a Tom Cruise film. Yeah, However, exactly. if Tom Cruise if Tom Cruise decided that he was gonna go back to, go back and you know every now and again he makes a little indie film and he mm. was in it with Halle Berry, I'd expect them to be yeah. paid the same. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? hmm. So, okay, so that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, you made a really good, interesting point as well about when there are these kind of. Actually, I spoke to a few people during everything that was happening when I had like random corporate chats and meetings and people were saying you know what can my company do and a lot of them were saying oh it'd be great to have more training because we don't see enough people of color like or black people and people of color applying for jobs etc um is it that they're not here is it that they you know is it that we can't find them to hire and i kind of had to point out i was like yeah they are there you stop just focusing on the training because you're still putting them in this like a subordinate role and yeah. again, where does the training go from there? There are lots of black professionals around in particular sectors. Obviously, it depends what sector it is. But I was like, there are lots of black professionals. I know a ton of like, I know a ton of black PRs. I know loads of them. There are, they are there. You just have to go to the place to get them. Or when you are hiring people, you have to really expand your mind and kind I mean, of strip go, yourself of bias a bit more. Yeah, oh, we can't. Oh, we wanted to hire some like black professionals, but we couldn't because we couldn't find any. But we're just yeah. looking in the same place and asking our friends. But we yes, don't have any exactly. Black yeah, so where, like the same, where did you look? Yeah. Exactly like the same with when I, I've seen a few um, things for funding around um, like uh, qu- quite a few different channels, Channel 4, etc. They're doing things. They're like looking for people to submit stories um, and get funding. Um, like if you're a black filmmaker or if you want to make like a documentary, etc. They're kind of doing a really big reach out to black people. But on every single channel, you apply to exactly the same organization. It's one organization across that's working across every channel and that one organization is i know there are others that are like that they aren't the only one and so then it's you're just going through again the same kind of criteria and even if those people are the people that run that um that run that kind of organization are black again it's just plus one it's just using one company so it's like people at the top being lazy and just using one company to do everything for them and they don't and again they're not even using just just the rules of diversity just within just using a different person they're not yeah. even bothering to use that. It's kind of they're not even it's bothering lazy. to do that. It's yeah, lazy. It's You're lazy. absolutely right. Mm. And, and again, we're like, getting the same things. We're in an industry where who you know is really important, but there's only a, there's going to be a limit. Like networking yeah. is super important, but the thing mm. with networking is that like you have to like networking is only effective if you go and see different people all the time. So having yeah. that one company, like they're going to know who they know because they're going to be so busy because every single yeah. like it's every not single company is any... going to them. How how much time have they got to then start exactly. expanding all their parameters? Exactly. They're not. They're just going to be reaching to the same pool of people because exactly. it's, yeah, it's like they're kind of literally having to prop up every television institution in the country. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I don't know. I hope that more. I hope that more people take him up on like kind of offering to replicate and get involved in group like in group effort initiative. It sounds good, but Obviously, I'm. There's it gonna sounds be good, but I'm a little bit sick of traineeships. Like, yeah, I want to see nice. people. I need to yeah. see people actually handing over power. Yeah. To people, yeah, 
empowering producers, like from a film point of view, empowering producers, mm. up and coming producers, yeah. like creating a system like this. If the, and if you can't empower up and coming producers, then your system is flawed and it needs yeah. to be fixed. Yeah. And like, Nicole Byers talked about this on her on her thing because she used to have her show loosely exactly Nicole. And she actually wanted as a black producer that she knew that actually ended up working on some like amazing film just like not long after this. And she wanted her to produce this segment. But they instead of having this woman actually no, that woman had already done this film. This TV, um, it was when she used to do it with Facebook and she's been open about this herself. She said, instead of them hiring this black, really accomplished black woman who'd won awards for films, they wanted a white YouTuber to shoot her and to shoot this thing. And she was like, no, no. Why are you giving this opportunity away? This person is here. This yeah. is their rate. You can afford it. But even in that instance, they were like, no. And then she had to fight for that to get that right, to hire the correct person who she knew related to her story and could do it in a much better way. No offense that YouTuber, but truly being a YouTuber compared to spending your entire life working up to this moment with all that training is really not the same bloody thing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what no, you're not up at against. all. Mm. And um, I think the one thing that I, I'm, the one good thing for me that's come out of the most recent iteration of Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. is that nobody can now say they don't understand what it's about. Because we've all, like, the conversations Mm -hmm. that the people that want to engage with it are having is at a different level to what it was, like, two, three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone that's denying it now is just willfully being a bellend. Exactly. So, for me, I love receipts because I'm a petty bitch. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) I'm really interested to see people that are saying things now Mm. and then being like, this you, a year later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, I've done like, that as well. Yeah, people that have contacted me about everything around this, I've already started following up and saying, "Yeah, but you're going to do more because this isn't enough." And you said you do more, and exactly. like, but are you are you practicing what you preach? And then, yeah, I've seen it. I've spoken about it in other pods as well. Brands doing stuff like brands I spent years and years approaching who said they're committed to it. Then they said they're committed to it, and then they haven't done anything since. And I'm yeah. like, I've got the receipts from where you said you had en- had enough of these people, or like we have enough of that, or we don't need any more of that, or we're looking for someone exotic. And I was like, don't let me, pro- don't make me produce the receipts. Don't make me bring up my receipts. Yeah. Now, like if Nicole was making that show now, mm. um, would, and she pushed back, would they have pushed back as much as they did again? Like. You know, like yeah, if she's yeah, having that conversation. They might have just been like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see what, but it's all, you know, COVID came and exposed so much mm-hmm. and we're still, you know, living in this world and, you know, figuring out how we go forward. But mm. I definitely think like what, so you know how much I love history mm-hmm. after World War One, one of the reasons why women started working more was because so many men died. Yeah. And it was a big cultural shift. Like it was a mm-hmm. big shift. Like there were not, some villages lost all their men. And so women yeah. just had to do those jobs and things like that. So mm-hmm. is this, you know, big seismic changes mm-hmm. can push forward social uh, like progression. Progress, progress mm-hmm. that's the word I want. It can push forward yeah. social progress. So mm-hmm. is, it's too soon to tell, but is COVID going to be the social the racial social progress yeah you know are we also, is com- we can't put the genie back in the bottle now man can't put the genie back in the bottle and you know i'm no. a big i am a big proponent of like oh you don't want me fine i'm gonna do it my own way and i feel like mm. that's sort of what's happening it's like oh these yeah. old systems aren't working fine yeah. we're gonna make new ones and go ahead without you you know and there's yeah. like people finding power in collaborations and again mm. i said it earlier and you told me not to scare the people but we outnumber them in all factions <laughs> and with globalization and people re- you know yeah. developing countries de- what were termed developing countries there was a report that came out recently that the main reason why they are poorer is because they've been stolen from if they yeah, paid yeah, a fair if you so, eradicated world debt or you gave everybody back everything they stole england or just pay britain people would a, be fair, a developing country yeah <laughs> pay people a fair wage for what you're yeah, taking absolutely. from them yeah and they become richer but what's mm-hmm. happened, like, with technology and things like that, like, for me as a filmmaker, like, 10 years ago, would I have considered Africa a major market for my films? Mm-hmm. No, because the distribution methods were were not conducive, you know, to get across it. Everyone's got the internet now. Yeah. There's Netflix. There's African versions of Netflix, you know. Different African countries have got their own version of Netflix and, like, online players. So now if I'm making yeah. a film, do I look to there or do I look to, you know... 
The world is changing, my friend, and uh, yeah. if if you're archaic, will you be able to to keep up? Because yeah, the power is that. shifting. It's it's just like my God, please stop fighting it because it's going to happen to you anyway. Exactly. It's like yeah, the world is going to diversify and move on and change, and I'm here for it. And even and, it, and I'm glad that it's you've made a really good point about the kind of in the comparison with more women going to work because of I suppose the tragedy of war and what that did to, to like like social changes social progress etc what is going to be what are going to be the major social like social changes that come out of the pandemic because yeah. you know we're, yeah we're not even out of it yet it's just kind of we're in a weird space where yeah. the government don't know what to do and just love giving us crazy messages but truly as a planet we're not out of this and no. there's going to be it's going to change everything 100%. as we've seen so like talking about this uh even you know within Within diversity and inclusion, there, there's also this, its own kind of issues. I've seen a, black American actors being annoyed about black British actors getting roles um, in America. Like, why are they annoyed? One, why are they annoyed? Two, why do Brits get the role? I mean, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know some complain about their American accents. They sound all right to me, but I'm not American, so I don't know. Yeah, I think... <laughs> It's a, it's, it's not a straightforward answer, and I think that mm. there's many things that feed into it. But yeah. I think the things that feed into it are an element. I don't know if you could call it colorism because it's mm. not about color; it's about our accent. Yeah, they like like racism is pervasive, mm -hmm. and so it's more palatable to some white producers to deal with a British black person than it mm -hmm. is to deal with an American black person because there's that removal and we have different, you know, we have different approaches, like British people in general are just different in the way we approach confrontation and things like that. Yeah. We speak different, you know, it's very different. So is it easier to hire someone that's from abroad than not have to face the issue? And then you can go, but I hire black people. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Two, British actors are cheaper than American actors. Mm -hmm. So if your budget is a concern, then, you know, like everything you're going to go with what gives you a decent quality but is cheap and so you know there there are there are reasons why but i think it's an interesting one because i've been following this argument a lot and i don't and i see both sides basically i see mm -hmm. i what i do think is that some british actors could do with a bit more humility in the way that they address this because i think you you can't dismiss someone's feelings mm -hmm. just because you don't agree and also yeah. the black British actors are not in the hiring positions. Mm -hmm. So also they're not to blame. Like if someone offers me a job, is my first thought going to be, am I taking a job from someone else? Probably not. If mm -hmm. it's something that I've always wanted to do and someone's like, you can do this. Yeah. Two in the English speaking world, I said two, I think we're on four or five. Um, mm -hmm. Hollywood is the <laughs> pinnacle of like, if you want to be the best at what you do, then and work with the best of the best then in terms of like english speaking filmmaking hollywood is the place to go so yeah. if you're an english speaking actor you probably are going to want to try and work in hollywood at some point i don't think i know any english speaking actors that haven't tried to go to hollywood whether yeah. they've liked it or not has been a different thing mm. but it is you know that's why there's so many you know i think the key is that and what i don't see is a bit more nuance to the argument which is why have out of the most recent three Batman, Batman, mm. Batmans, I don't know yeah. what you say. Two are English: Robert Pattinson, Christian Bale, British, Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson. The last two Spider Men: Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, mm -hmm. um, and Superman, Henry Cavill yeah. are all Brits. So Brits are take. So this idea. So is this? I feel like it's one of those chats that's a little bit xenophobic, mm. more so than it is racial. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Thor, because, like how many yeah. people are members of the Marvel, like Australians and Brits of all races go yeah. to America. That is the industry. That is where the industry yeah. is. We don't yeah. really have a film industry. It's a cottage industry in both other countries. Hmm. Yeah. And truly, you know, if you watch, I watch a lot of American TV shows. I don't think there's an American TV show I watch that hasn't got someone from Hollyoaks in. Completely. Hollyoaks, I'm with you on that. Holly yeah. Hollyoaks cast are killing it out there. They yeah. are in everything. Every Everything. single show I watch. And and usually the main, specifically when it's an older person, older woman or man yeah. in a, in a programme, they're usually, and they're, they're actually usually a British actor that I recognise from stuff. Yeah. And also, you know, what's his name? Jim Robinson. He's in everything. 
Jim Robinson's in everything. Every single programme. If he isn't in a programme, why am I watching it? I thought Jim Robinson was old as shit when I was a kid, but now I see him in other things and I'm like, how old is this man? He has been he has been 50 for the past 30 odd years. I swear to God, I swear down. You're right, Jim Robinson's in everything. Every single so, show. Know. Yeah, what's his name? Alan Dale, I think his name is. He's in everything. So everything. yeah, and like, yes, you made a really good point. There is a kind of a double standard because truly, do I don't know, do white actors feel that way? They're like, look, all these Brits coming over. Look, all these people from Hollyoaks coming over here, taking our I jobs. Mean, it's sort of like, it's a bit of like, it feels, sometimes the conversation feels a bit, I, I think it's the scarcity of roles for black actors. Yeah, and yeah. scarcity leads to fear and people mm. wanting to hold on to it. So the reason why no one's scared about Henry Cavill being... I mean, maybe people yeah. were annoyed, but we didn't hear about it because yeah. there's no scarcity of roles for... For white... Brit, for, like, white for white, good-looking men, yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. no... You know, so you're I handsome, think that's part fine. of it. Yeah. It's like that sort of scare, like, oh, there's not enough. But actually, there is more than enough space for all of us hmm. when the people at the top <laughs> diversify as well. Yeah. The reason why it feels so scarce is because there's so few opportunities for black mm. actors anywhere. Like everyone talks about Idris, Idris, Idris. Apart from the TV shows that Idris made, Nate and Luther, name one other TV show that Idris Elba has done in the UK. None, I, I, I only, I've only seen him because I've never seen Luther. I've only seen The Wire in the Office. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Like, and I was like, yeah. all of his, name any, like he has done, I believe like one, like for as famous as Idris is, mm. right? He has not made many films. Yeah, yeah. Or TV shows. For as famous as he is, and like and that's 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 the crux of it. Like yeah. Idris Elba is possibly like the most famous He's a, one of the most black, famous black British men, isn't he? Yeah. Him Arguably. and like David Oelio. Yeah. But between And I would them, even say Idris that... potentially over David as well. A hundred percent because yeah. Idris He's older as well. Yeah, and also he's across more platforms, so you know, he yeah. has T V and film and he DJs. Yeah. So, you know, like he's, people are just more aware of him because of that. Whereas David yeah. is an actor. Yeah. And I think he's directing now, but you know, he's mm. firmly he in the really film world. Things. Yeah. Um, and Chiwetel. Like those mm. are, the, but between oh, like. Love him. Yeah. But how many films have they made? Yeah. Not many. Not many mm. compared to like Henry Cavill. How many films has fucking Henry Cavill made? Like I could name four Henry Cavill films off the top of my head with no problem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not even good. The other day, but yeah, yeah. I try and think. I don't know what I've watched with Henry Cavill except for Superman, to be honest. Man from Uncle. I didn't watch it. Um, Mission Impossible. Oh, I didn't watch that. (laughs) Um, Tudors. Okay, it's not a film, but do you know what I mean? Like Tudors. Look how much easier it was for me to reel off Henry Cavill films. Yeah. Now I could reel off some David and Chiwetel films quicker because I work in film, but still, I don't know if I could get to four Chiwetel films. Um, yeah, that's true. I'm like, I watched something with you Half the other day, of the but it's good um, um, Serenity. Kinky Boots. Yeah. Oh, I forgot who was in Serenity. Yeah, um, that's one of my favourite films, yeah. He is in that film with Audrey Tattoo, which I love, and I can't, I can't remember what it's called, though, Oh, now. my God. I watched the film the other day with him in where he was a baddie, and I literally can't remember the... Oh, okay, it's going to uh, bug me. Doctor Strange, because we spoke about it earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. So we can get Chiwetel films too, but yeah. not. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, we have yeah. to have a little think because mm. he doesn't get many leading men roles. Yeah. Oh, and we missed out Twelve Years a Slave, but that's because I don't acknowledge uh, films. I'll be honest. Where it, I with don't black pain. really. I'll be honest. I yeah, don't acknowledge those... films with black pain. So yeah, nah. I'll be honest. When it comes to those films, I if people ask me about actors in it, I will always. It's almost like subconscious that I did Twelve yeah. Years a Slave didn't even pop into my head. Subconscious. It's like not like. Not because I watched it and I was like, yeah, okay, it's a good film, but I feel like we've seen these films already. More yeah, than Slave, like, man. We need more than these films. More. I don't want to see no more Slave films. Nah, I don't want to see another one for the rest of my life. Rest of my life, man. No, I'm no. With you. No, not another one. This just turned into us just having our normal phone chat. I know. As opposed to being a structured conversation. I'm so sorry. I know, exactly. Sorry, sorry, audience. Um. So, yeah, so now, I mean, we, to be fair, we've kind of covered everything. What would you... So as a closing thought, closing thoughts from Pam, what would you like to see next? So obviously these Oscar, these Oscar categories that aren't really bloody categories, they aren't really that. And when you, now you've broken them down, I'm like, oh, they are bullshit. They don't need to come into effect anyway until 2026 because obviously it takes so long, or 2024, because it takes so long to make films, etc. Yeah. Um, but what do you want to see next happening? What do you think is going to be 
the next thing that we can do to actually create diversity and actually make the film industry inclusive if you it needs to be inclusive from the top down if it's not inclusive from the top down then it's just dressing it's just window dressing and it's not meaningful change and the people in power like the power needs to be handed over Mm -hmm. i think ultimately like invest and i think it will happen but it will come by force because things that are made the old ways will stop being financially um viable and viable yeah Mm -hmm. and the money will follow where where the money will the money will go where the money where money has been made and do you want to be a dinosaur or do you want to be an agile yeah young grasshopper i don't know what i'm saying with my metaphor well, things i think, I think <laughs> it's like do you want to be a dinosaur or do you want to make money i think do you want to be a dinosaur or do you want to make money yeah yeah do you want to be a dinosaur yeah. or do you want to make money people that work in finance are not known for being forward thinking but i think mm-hmm. i'm interested to see what happens next and i think people like invest in black creators invest in black producers invest in black workers in black writers sorry Mm-hmm. Um, because we live in this world too and if you want a diverse story and you don't want to have you know people complain about having to do all the work they have to do to make it diverse imagine if you already were then you wouldn't complain about it mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah I'd like to see people putting their money and trust into black filmmakers and black producers across TV yeah. and film because yeah. we're here, hire yeah. us make our shit yeah exactly that's yeah that's a good point i love that hire us and make our shit well on that hire note, us make our shit <laughs> thank you so much for joining me pam this has been a great chat and uh no doubt after this we'll just go on the phone for another three hours oh god <laughs> lose my number lose my number <laughs> thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me bye Thank you for listening to Speak On. Make sure you like, subscribe and share with your friends, family, co-workers, strangers in the street. To find out more about us, including our upcoming events, head over to Instagram, instagram.com forward slash speak on underscore. Bye.